0: Greetings from Burbank. Um, We are meeting here in the church building to do a few video devotionals for this weird period of time when we can't be meeting for church. Um, Most churches are live streaming and um, for the larger church that suits them fine. Uh, I think for us we're probably going to stick with this format where I'm just going to take about 10 minutes and uh, do some short devotionals. And we'll hopefully have these going out relatively regularly during the period when we have no church. Um, For today's devotional, I want us to look at Isaiah 7. So if you've got a Bible at home and you want to open it up, now's a good time. Um, Let's have a look at it together. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. So we're told during the days of King Ahaz of Judah, he wasn't a good king, he was a particularly bad one actually, but um, at that time, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, the Israel has been divided into the Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and the northern kingdom of Israel has made an alliance with Syria, and they have come down through Judah, taken a whole bunch of cities, and they're now on the outside, of the outskirts of Jerusalem. They're not yet ready to mount an attack, but that's certainly the plan. Then in verse 2, we're told, When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, that's the northern kingdom, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Right now, we're living in a time of great fear for many people, and uh, some of that fear is unnecessary, and a lot of it is legitimate, and it is making us think about things like death, and bankruptcy, and unemployment, and all these sorts of issues that are surrounding us, and what we see here in verse 2 is we see that when Ahaz discovers the predicament that Judah are in, that Israel and the Syria have surrounded the city, he and his people respond in a way that is akin to trees of the forest, to being blown about in the wind. And for many of us that's how we deal with, with threats, with challenges, with trials, we're just blown to and fro, we're, we're kind of blown this way, we're blown that way, and it's, it's a picture of a lack of stability. And a lack of stability, as far as this text before us is speaking, is clearly a lack of faith. is isn't to say that the threat wasn't real. They really were there. We'll see that more in a moment. The armies were gathered, and their intent was bad. But the reality is, is that when our eyes are on that, there is this shaking, there is this blowing, there is this lack of stability that comes rather than seeing the god who is sovereign behind it that's how the passage then leads us on in verse 3 the lord that is yahweh says to isaiah go out to meet ahaz you and shea yeshub your son at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washers field and say to him be careful be quiet do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smouldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. So, Isaiah is sent with a message to Ahaz and a message to the people of Judah. And his message here is, is simply this, be careful, be quiet, and do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint, because of these two smouldering stumps, so when Ahaz looks out, he sees the armies, he sees destruction, he sees doom. When God looks at them, He sees that they are stumps that have almost been burnt out; that their their attack, their destruction, their conquering is coming to an end. And so God sees what we don't see, <clears throat> and so the message is to be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Let's go through those. Firstly, be careful. When we are under threats, when we're under trials, when we see the city surrounded, so to speak, the temptation is for us just to react, for us to do what seems appropriate, how we emotionally respond in the moment. We just react, 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 react. Our responses are so often instinctive. What he's saying here, the message to Ahaz through Isaiah is to be careful. Don't go and do anything rash. Don't go and do something stupid. Don't go and do something that you will look back on and say, do you know I didn't really think about that. You want to be careful how you react and how you respond. And that carefulness is seen initially in the next command which is to be quiet just to be still. There is this concept that comes up throughout the scriptures, Isaiah included, of just waiting on the Lord. Just that process of being still and trusting. That's something I'll probably talk about in another devotional, but for now, suffice to say that there is a quietness and a calmness that comes if we're going to be careful. If we're going to be careful, if we're going to react the right way, then initially there needs to be a quietness. It doesn't just mean sort of being angry internally or panicking internally while, we, um, while we're outwardly quiet, but rather it's a stillness of spirit. It's, a, it's about this place of trust. It's about not getting, getting worked up by the circumstances. The circumstances are there regardless, and us panicking and us worrying isn't gonna help the situation. And so quietness comes from a place of trust. Quietness, gentleness and stillness comes from a place of trust. So be careful and be quiet and do not fear. It it, it sounds ridiculous to say do not fear. Why would you not fear? You're surrounded by armies that have conquered all these other cities and they're looking to come and take the last one, the capital, Jerusalem. And fear would seem the appropriate response in such a time. But we need to take care in our quietness not to be fearful, and, and the picture that is being painted, and Isaiah is going to continue on this thread for several chapters, the, the picture is one of fearing God and not fearing men. That if the armies come and if the armies attack, God's still God, and that what they can do, though it may seem terrible, is nothing compared to what God can do, and yet if God wants to prevent it, God will prevent it, and so... Fear is not the correct response, not for the believer at any anyway. rate. And finally, do not let your heart be faint. Do, don't give in, don't just despair. Don't think, well, oh, you know, they're there, I'm not, gonna get, I'm not gonna be loud about it, I'm gonna be quiet, I'm just gonna let it be, but you know, oh, what can I do, nothing can be done. It's that sort of stoic, in Britain, we, we call it the stiff upper lip, you know, that, that attitude of, oh, well, case or us or us. you know, whatever will happen. There's no point getting wound up about these things. Sometimes unbelievers could be very quiet. They can be careful. They can be careful how they respond and be quiet and not fear, but they despair. They just, you know, oh, well, nothing we can do. But for the believer, that shouldn't be the option either. We need to be people who can be careful, be quiet, not fear, and to not let our hearts be faint, to not despair, because we understand who God is. Now this is something that you guys who attend our church are probably fed up with me saying, but of course the reason that we can do these things is because God is sovereign and he's good. And I'll never tire of saying it because I wish it would have been said to me more often in my younger years before I went into periods of great trial. I wish that I had had in my mind established those two aspects of God's character, that he is both sovereign and he is good. And I wish I had it so ingrained that it would have come out of my mouth and into my heart as easily as as breathing. And so I think that when we understand that God is sovereign, then why would we worry about the army? We need to worry about God. Because if God says yes, they'll attack, and if God says no, they won't. If he is sovereign and he is in control, it removes the needs to manipulate, to control, to panic, to do X, X Y, or Z, you know, do whatever it is that we, need to, we think we need to do because we go to him because he is in control. Now that isn't to say that there aren't things that we should be doing and we don't have responsibilities, but it is to say that God is in control and our response mechanisms are going to be very different when we understand them. And the other thing, of course, is to remember that God is good. That he loves us. That he cares for us. And when you see a bunch of armies around you who have already destroyed multiple cities, you kind of need to think, do I really believe in the love of God? Because the reality is, is that there's nothing in this text thus far suggesting that God won't let Jerusalem fall. Indeed, by the time we come to the end of the book of Isaiah, it's very clear that God is going to let Jerusalem fall. Not at this time, not to these armies, but ultimately he will. There are, I think sometimes in our lives, events and circumstances and we think, well, God will never let that happen. And we don't realise that we live in such a privileged time that things like life and death were so much cheaper in days gone by. that people knew that terrible things could happen, and they often did. And the question that we really need to ask ourselves is this. Whatever the, the armies around us are, whatever circumstances threaten us. If the walls fall, and if the army comes in, and if the city is destroyed, is God still suffering? And is he still good? Because our response is not a response on the basis of, well, God's not going to let this happen. He's not saying, you don't fear, because... You're going to be fine. This isn't going to happen. We don't fear because of who God is. Because he is sovereign. Because he's in the Because he's good. That's why we don't fear. And if the wall falls, he's still sovereign. And he's still good. It's a hard thing for us to understand. It's a hard thing for us to, to work out our lives sometimes. But the place that we always have to go to to be able to to trust in such circumstances, is to the cross. Because at the cross, we have the greatest sin in the whole of human history. We have the murder of God. We have God incarnate being betrayed, being scourged, being crucified. It is the darkest day in human history, and yet, God took that greatest of sins and that darkest of times and he used it to bring the greatest of goods, the most wonderful blessings come from that place. And so if God can take the worst of sins and use it for the greatest of blessings, then God can take any sins done against us, any sins done by us any circumstances or trials that threaten us, any tragedies that we have to walk through, he can take those things and he can glorify himself through them. And that's why when we react, when we respond, when we see a threat, when we're in danger, when we have uh, something to, to be fearful of, that's why we can be careful, we can be quiet, we can not fear, and not let our hearts be faint. We don't want to be those trees growing to and fro. We want to stand firm. And sometimes, if those walls do fall, it'll be with tears in our eyes. But we will stand, and we will be firm, and we will say, our God is sovereign, and our God is good, and we will trust him in all things. Until next time.